it really boils down to the formatting of the student's resume. These computers catch eight times the mistakes that a human eye would catch. The best thing to prepare yourself for those interviews is to practice. You found Wolfpack Career Chats, and this is Marcy Bullock from the Career Development Center at North Carolina State University. I'm the creator of the podcast. Welcome to season four. This season, we'll focus on versions of you, who you were, who you are, and who you will be, and we'll have exciting guests explore their journey. We're all still cooking friends, so no one put a fork in us yet. Enjoy this episode. Welcome to Wolfpack Career Chats. Today, my special guest coming from Omaha, Nebraska is Michaela Janacek. Hi, Michaela. Hi, thank you for having me. We love having people from all over our beautiful country. How is everything going for you in Omaha today? What's what's the update? Oh, it's really good in Omaha today. Things are cooling down a little bit. We're getting the fall activities started. The stores are stocking Halloween goods, so it's going great. <laughs> I'm with you. I love this time of year in Raleigh, too. We get all the pumpkin-flavored things, and the weather starts cooling down, and we have football games and hoodies and boots and all my favorite apparel. So our students are excited to hear this conversation about how they can get their resume seen because everybody wants to be seen, right? And everybody wants to be picked. So about a year ago, I did a podcast on applicant tracking systems and That has changed so much in the last year that we need an update. So you're an expert on this, Michaela. You've worked in this industry for the last few years. Will you share with our listeners what is an applicant tracking system? Yeah, of course. So an applicant tracking system, what I usually say is a one-stop shop for hiring managers to do all their job functions in one place. They can post open positions. The system can qualify resumes based on the skills and experiences mentioned, and then a bunch of other things. And these softwares are super cheap for employers. So that's why they're so commonly used. That makes a lot of sense. So one stop and they're qualifying resumes. So this is the thing that I know a lot of our listeners want to hear about is how can I get mine qualified, you know? And I talked about it as like a bouncer, almost like you're going to go into a club and they're like, nope, sorry, you don't get in today. But then a few people get in because why do you think? It really boils down to the formatting of the student's resume. A bouncer is a really great metaphor to use that they're letting people through or not letting people through. The resume has to be formatted in a way that is computer friendly to read. So I know people like to have those really pretty graphic looking resumes, but they should also have a computer ready resume so that they can make it through these applicant tracking systems. So simple format and then really impactful content where they're highlighting their achievements, their skills that they've picked up over the years, because that's what's going to get you through not having graphics and things like that in your resume. That is very new to me. And I'm glad that you are educating me and everyone about the fact that it's not just about how pretty it looks because everyone loves these Canva resumes and showing off their graphic design. And I don't think you're saying that that it let's just say you're a design major, like your resume could be a real show of your ability to design. But for the average student coming out of a university, they need to make sure it's formatted for the computer. So what does that involve? Yeah, formatting for the computer is so important. So what that involves is just a really simple, simple format. I cannot stress it enough. 
Going to your university and getting a template or style guide to follow is a great way to start, but what you want to stick with is a single column format. You're creating it in Word or Google Doc and then editing from there, making sure all your margins and indentations are proper, making sure there's no spelling or grammatical mistakes. These computers catch eight times the mistakes that a human eye would catch. So it's really just making sure that it's ready to parse through the computer because it's going to have a more critical eye. Again, it doesn't mean you can't also have a designer graphic resume because I'm a sucker for Canva as much as the next guy, but you should have one ready to go through the computer software and one that you bring into the interview and show off your design skills. That's great. Having two different versions, because let's say you're going to an in-person career fair and we're back in person with career fairs. Hallelujah. Even though some are still virtual, it's kind of a mix like the world is now in 2022. It's like everything's hybrid. So if you're in person meeting someone, you can have that super fancy one that's got Mm -hmm. the colors and all the, the things that you have worked really hard to make look beautiful. But If you're applying online, this computer resume that you talked about that you use in Word or Google Doc that's got the one column, will you talk a little bit more about other little quirks that this ATS artificial intelligence is going to be using to screen people out? Yeah, absolutely. So the sections are really important to the ATS, making sure that you have your education listed, your experience listed, and using the word experience in that section title so that the ATS knows that you're going to have relevant bullet points below here. Of course, your contact information, having that in here, but little things can get you removed. Applicant tracking systems are not qualifying based softwares. They're rejection based softwares. Hmm. So they're looking for reasons to push you out. So like I mentioned, inconsistent margins, using too many font sizes or types in your resume can get you kicked out using columns incorrectly. So having like an overall, like two to three column resume can actually um, cause you to be rejected. What? Oh my gosh. Mic drop moment. Don't (laughs) use columns. Oh my goodness. This is wild. So there's so many mistakes that people can make and they might not even realize it. And I love what you said earlier, like use your university career development center and students, as you know, you can come over to Pullen Hall. We have our drop-ins and we are happy to help you. We will link up in the show notes to all the times, but really quick, some of you who are loving coming over to the Academic Success Center because it's new and shiny and exciting and just opened after the pandemic in the Hill Library. We're there every Tuesday afternoon and every Thursday morning. So you can just pop in with a quick question after you listen to this podcast, just with your resume in hand and that the expert can tell you about some of these font things that maybe aren't matching up or some of the margins. What are some of the other mistakes? Michaela that you see a lot? So the most commonly I think that we see would be like the font sizes because people like to do a lot of different fun things with their fonts, making sure that it's something simple. Margins on their resume is also really common. And then getting into the content of their resume, making sure that you in your education section, you're mentioning your university, your major, your degree, a GPA, if it's above a 3.5 five, I think, or a 3.0. And then in your experience section, mentioning your position, your company, the dates that you were there, months and year, and then 
in those bullet points, making sure they're compelling, not just listing your experiences, but highlighting your achievements. What skills did you use to get the outcomes that you have? And what have you learned from these previous jobs? Because that's really what's going to make you stand out to the ATS is the skills that you're mentioning. And sometimes students do struggle with that, with trying to identify the skills. And I hear things like, well, I was a lifeguard and I swept the floor, but I'll ask questions like, did you ever have to manage a challenging situation? Well, probably because, you know, you're saving lives and people could be drowning. So what kinds of things help people to really pull out the higher level skills that you found to be helpful? I think the most helpful thing is action verbs on your bullet points. And I know, again, from the career center, you could probably get a list of action verbs to use in your bullet points, but those relate back to skills when they parse an applicant tracking system. A lot of people don't realize that. So having an action verb, at least one in every bullet point is a great way to highlight what skills you have implemented over the time you've had your experience. Yes. And thank you for giving me a little bit of a lead in to say we do have a career guide and listeners, this will be linked in the show notes too. It's just go.ncsu.edu, the go link slash career guide. And those would be great to look out for all those action verbs. And then of course, having that conversation with your career expert that's assigned to your college. There's one person assigned to all 10 colleges at NC State. And if you log into EPAC, you can make an appointment to make sure all your action verbs are looking top notch. In addition, listeners, we have a previous episode 164 with some more tips on resumes. Now let's talk about the interview. So now you got this great resume, you got it through this system, and they've called you in for the interview. How does artificial intelligence now play a role in that screening process? Yeah, so it's kind of a newer feature, and that's an AI interview, which can be integrated with an applicant tracking system. So like I mentioned earlier, applicant tracking systems are rejection-based softwares, but employers would admit that it caused them to miss out on some qualified candidates because they're so strict. So they can integrate an AI interviewing component, which means you're just interviewing with the computer. It's looking for the skills that you're mentioning and everything and qualifying you on some data points. But This lets them rely on a less strict applicant tracking system. So rather than like 90% of people being rejected, they could rely on like 70% of people being rejected. And then you get a chance to AI interview. Some of the most common ones I would say are higher view that the students might know of. That's an AI interviewing company. Talview is another one that's pretty common and they just fully integrated with LinkedIn actually. So LinkedIn is going to have more AI interviewing being more common through their job site as well. Interesting. And when someone does this AI interview, do they know, is it clear from this higher view or whoever has invited them, hey, this is not a real human, this is a computer? And what suggestions do you have for them if it's not a real human? So it is usually clear from the companies, you'll get an invitation to interview, whether it's from an outside company like HireVue, or they'll let you know in the email invitation to interview. And with AI interviews, what I've seen is you only get three chances to interview. So you get to record once. If you don't like that, you can try again, but then you only have one more try after that. So you have 
three chances to perfect it. The best thing to prepare yourself for those interviews is to practice. Practice talking powerfully about your experiences, highlighting your skills. Action verbs are great here too, because again, they relate back to the skills that you've used. Also reviewing your resume before you're taking an AI interview, because um, the AI is actually looking for a resume match. So did you mention all the experiences from your resume in your interview and do the skills line up as well? And then are there additional ones? So having those two things to prepare some practice and your resume ready to go is great to prepare you for an AI interview. And so do you think it's great to just have your resume handy there? And while you're in it, you know, ahead of time, like you said, so you're you're doing your recording, just even glancing at your resume, or do you get counted off if you don't look right at the camera? Most AI interviewing companies are tracking eye contact in some way. Luckily, though, it's a little bit easier. So if you're face towards the camera and looking at the screen. And that counts as eye contact to these AIs. So what you can do is have your resume popped up, have it pulled up on your computer, and then you're looking at your resume as you're answering the questions and getting some extra skills, your experiences, making sure you're highlighting everything, but it's still counting as eye contact to the computer. This is so different from what we're used to when we're in a room with someone and we have all the aspects of developing rapport. So this is important to practice. And you said that, and I completely agree with you. And listeners, you can practice through EPAC as well. You can just schedule an appointment and do a mock interview on Zoom. And we all know how to use Zoom after the last couple years. And then your career coach can give you feedback on how, how you came across, because I know I made the mistake to look at the person's eyes, but that's not actually right. If I see a person on this AI or whatever it is, I'm going to be looking at the camera. Wow. So many things to remember. And also the confidence piece. Talk a little bit more about how that can help with really talking about selling yourself, because I know people are sometimes their worst critics. Mm -hmm. Um, So with the AIs, it's also tracking how you speak about your experiences. So are you sounding analytical? Are you sounding confident? Are you sounding more tentative? And none of these are really bad things. I don't want you to think like tentative is bad, but having that practice talking about your experiences can help you come across more confident because even though none of them are bad things, confident is definitely a good thing. So having the practice secure in your responses and able to just talk about your experiences freely, no matter what questions they ask, that's going to help you the most. I I can't say it enough that practice is going to help you going through your experiences, how you would speak about them, how you'd go through different questions. That way that you're sounding secure in your answers and you're not sounding unsure of your skills. Yes. If you sound too tentative, if you are too nervous, all of those things will be seen. And just like anything else, I mean, we've never done it before. Doing an artificial intelligence resume and interview is new for everyone. You're not going to be perfect the first time you do it. And the more you kind of get the hang of it, you can feel like, oh, I think I got this down. I'm ready to go. And even with our career fairs right now, we are using some that are virtual. So students will go into Career Fair Plus and they'll go ahead and set up a time with a company as though they were going to be walking into a room, but they get 15 minutes. And again, it's all on the computer. So the more you can practice that, the better. So curious, what percentage of companies are using these kinds of things? Is it a lot? 
Oh, it is really high. So actually applicant tracking systems have been around since the nineties, the government started using them then, and they've just become more and more common over the years. I think the latest statistics is 99% of fortune 500 companies are using an applicant tracking system of some sort. And 90% of all companies use an applicant tracking system of some sort. That is a very high number. So if you are not up to date on this and you haven't kind of edited things and shifted a little bit, you are going to be screened out by 90 plus percent. My goodness. Well, I'm glad that everyone had a chance to hear about this today. What final tips do you have to leave everyone with so that they can feel great about their readiness? Yes. Something big is if you think you're not interacting with applicant tracking systems, you definitely are. If you're using the job board sites like Indeed, ZipRecruiter, LinkedIn, those are all big applicant tracking systems. If you're not getting outreach back, it's probably because you didn't follow that computer-friendly format for your resume. So starting with a template or a style guide to follow from your university is great. Making sure it's clear section titles, impactful content, using those action verbs to highlight your skills, and then practicing talking about your experiences. So when you get to the interview, whether it be an AI interview or in person, you can feel comfortable in your responses. We've all been in that black hole where we put it in and we're like, I never heard anything back and you feel really down and you wonder. Fantastic tips today, Michaela. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. 